Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. This episode, we're not looking at a publication, but a very powerful community which exists to help get writers published. I'm very excited to be joined by two guests this time, the founders of the London Writers Salon. They are Parol Bavishi and Matt Tronetti. Parol is a freelance books editor and has worked for Random House, Quercus and Eccles Fisher. And Matt is also a writer and has started an indie publishing company. And he coaches people on how to pursue creative careers. So thanks for joining us, both of you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Helen. It is a pleasure. So perhaps we can just start. Can you explain why you wanted to set up the London Writers Salon? Sure. Yeah. So Parl and I had become friends years ago and uh, Parl came from a a traditional publishing background and I come from the self-described scrappy publishing background, having started an indie publisher and and exploring blogging and, and other things like that. And kind of coupled with our experience. And then I also had experience building communities uh, for people at, at Escape the City, helping people transition out of jobs they didn't like and into more creative things, starting businesses, more purposeful work. Kind of we take those two things together, Parle's experience in publishing, my experience uh, helping people who want to escape into those kind of things in writing. And we thought, what if we created a space for writers to connect and from us uh, or for us to learn from people in the publishing industry, editors, published authors. And so with those two two ideas combined, we launched our very first event in January 2019. Wow. And we were very medium agnostic, even from the start. The one thing we were thinking, uh, were thinking is that there's a lot that's hidden in the publishing industry. And I, when I say publishing, I really mean everything, all types of writing. There can be a degree of mystery around whether you can write across different mediums or if you're if you're if you're well versed in one medium how do you skip to the other how how do you jump across Um, how much do writers get paid anything that felt hidden or embarrassing to ask about we wanted to explore that because we wanted it to be I suppose a safe space because in the end this is about work that matters Yes, absolutely. And a lot of our listeners are aspiring writers. So let's talk a little bit about this. You host um, something called Writer's Hour, which I believe exploded during lockdown. And you have around 800 writers that that join. So can you explain a little bit, first of all, what that is? And then I'd like to talk about some of the common challenges and issues that writers are facing. I mean, a good place to start with that is sort of why it actually started. So I think around March the 22nd or whatever, life was, or March the 20th, say, we had no idea that things were going to change as as much as they did. And up until that point, we were running monthly events. We were doing events in central London. We were doing them in Soho House and Albright. We would interview writers. It was growing. We had a community of sorts um, that gathered once a month. Um, And then we we were running masterclasses like Picture Literary Agent, How to Create a Picture Book. And then COVID hit and lockdown was happening we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know whether our events would go ahead. We assumed we could probably take them online, but we wanted a place where we would feel safe, I suppose. And we were thinking, uh, Brené Brown had a quote at the time going around saying, I think she said, 
spread love, spread calm. And that's what we're thinking. How can we spread love and calm in a time in time of turbulence? Well, what if we wrote together every single morning? Because both Matt and I, you know, write different things and we have different ambitions. And so we got on a phone call on a Sunday night, sketched out what this might look like, came up with the name, The Writer's Hour, and we came up with the rules of what that hour might look like and put a post out on Instagram, sent it to our email list, just invited people, come and sit with us for an hour and write. Matt, maybe you want to talk about the format of it because it's, it's, it's stayed the same. Yeah. And just to add, so we had about nine people show up on that very first day. And that was about nine more than we thought would show up because we sent it out 10 p.m. the night before. And Monday morning, 8 a.m., we opened up the Zoom room to write. Um, and it's obviously blossomed into something much larger than nine. Um, but yeah, the, the format of it, it's so it's so simple, but there's some sort of magic in it. We, we basically come together um, right on. We, we open the room one minute past usually just to let some latecomers come in. And then we uh, we set our intentions together in the chat. So have some focus. We've we've got the hour to sit together and write. So in the chat, people set their focus. I'm aiming for 500 words. I'm just going to sit here and journal. I'm going to write a poem. I'm going to edit chapter one of my book, whatever it is, just setting that focus. And then we share a word of wisdom. We find a quote that we're finding inspiring or a poem. And increasingly now it's coming from the community where people will submit uh, quotes on writing, uh, and we'll read that out, or sometimes someone in the community will read it out, and then we cheers our mugs, and we get to work. What are some? What would you say the common challenges are for aspiring writers who want to get published, either going down the traditional publishing route, which uh, let's safe to say most do, or just want to be self-published but get the numbers up? What would you say are the challenges to that? I'd say that there are two things, and one is persistence. The number of writers who seem to get frustrated, and I understand because it is—it's a work of labor, labor of love. Whether it's a fictional story, like a novel you're writing, or it's something to promote your business and your expertise, it's hard work, and it often takes a lot longer than you would like it to to reach a level of expertise. And when you compare yourself to you know, writers that are on the shelf and writers that are you know, high up in the charts, there's a lot of work that's gone into that. So persistence is definitely incredibly important and and then the patience the patience of maybe it isn't your first book that does well maybe it's your second book maybe the recognition will not come until your 10th book and so the only thing that allows you to get through those two things is a true love of what you're doing and understanding mm -hmm. why you're doing it if i if i write a book simply to promote myself which is absolutely fine like you're writing a book say on yoga to really promote your your work as a yoga coach well, that's, that's great, but you have to understand that it is like any piece of material content that you put out there. It may resonate or it may not. Mm -hmm. Now, Paral, I want to hone in a little bit on your experience um, and you, your background's fascinating, being a books editor. So many people must want to know about that. So what are some of the things that you've noticed you know, that, that stand out in a potential manuscript that an author's working on that they want to get published um, what are some of the, the common pitfalls that you come across? Obviously, the books market is quite large and there are lots of different types of books. Even if you sort of work in the camp of fiction versus nonfiction, um, there are different things that one might look for. And just to look at, uh, just to qualify like my background, I when I was at Random House and at Eccles Fisher, I actually focused a lot on children's fiction. So like children's and teen, uh, nonfiction and fiction. And now as a freelance editor, I, I do quite like 
thrillers, young adult and lilac nonfiction. It's very hard for an editor to focus on everything because what you need to do is research that niche and get good at that particular story within that. But there are some common threads across just uh, storytelling and what publishers look for. I'd say that it sounds a little bit bland, but a good story is fundamentally what we look for. So, and I see a lot of writers submitting to agents and maybe not getting getting rejections, not getting acceptance, and that can be quite difficult, but the competition is quite high. So you have to really hone that story. Like nonfiction still has a beginning, middle and end. Nonfiction really still can follow the, 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 the hero's journey, so to speak. The hero might be your reader. The hero might be you telling your story of how you overcame a difficult moment. There's, there's always a story. The other thing to bear in mind, particularly when you're looking for traditional publishing, is think about the motivation behind the person who's looking at your submission. I don't know anyone who works in the publishing in- industry who does it for the money. You don't do it for the money because there are so many other jobs that pay a lot more. And I know because my mother used to send them to me. She sent me John <laughs> job descriptions of every other profession while I was in publishing saying, hey, have you thought about doing this? But you look at someone like, you look at what, what a publisher is trying to do. They are trying to ultimately, like the CEO is trying to make a profit, um, whether it's for the shareholders or, their, or for the private individual um, owners of the company, they're looking to make a profit. If you go all the way down to the publisher of a list, because within a publishing company, you will have multiple lists. So even within, a, um, you know, say Random House, you'll have multiple nonfiction like houses They've, especially the bigger ones, have all, they've acquired lots of smaller publishing houses and you'll have divisions for thrillers and divisions for young adult and children. Those publishers are looking to have a diverse range of books. And then the editors who actually buy the books, like either the commissioning editors or the editors, they would love to buy a book that makes their career. They would love to see your book and fall in love with it and be that champion. But by accepting that book, by buying that book, they're aligning themselves with you. They're taking a bet. And so when they, if they, re- if they do reject you, for whatever, there's obviously pressures on them, they can't see it. Now, they're not always right. So maybe you then go down the self-publishing route because you want to get it out there. But even if you do go down the self-publishing route, quality is really important. And I see writers publishing too soon. We, we interview writers every week and we often ask, well, how many drafts did that take you? How long did it take you? And sometimes they'll say, yeah, maybe I stopped counting after 30. Oh, it took me seven years. Now, that's hard work. That's perseverance and patience. Yeah. Writing is rewriting, right? <laughs> well, well I, um, and I want to ask Matt shortly about the self-publishing route. Um, before I do, though, um, I also note that, you know, you've been a literary scout for publishers does this actually exist anymore you know in an era in an era where publishers are getting 300 submissions a day do they actually scout for talent it's not what you think it is so it's a slightly different the, the role so there's a you have a literary agent who obviously sits in between the the writers who submit and the publishing houses and that has there was a point in time where you could just submit directly to the publisher you can't do that really unless it's a small publisher and the the, the reason you can't do that is because they need a filter. They need a quality check. Otherwise, the public, the editor will spend all their day reading manuscripts that they cannot buy. Uh, and the literary agents will are the, the brokers in between who hopefully understand what different editors at different and different lists want and need and will acquire it and try and sell it and take a cut in the process. Also be that champion, be that person in between. The literary scout is a slightly more hidden role. And there are very few agencies that do exist. They still do exist. 
And what they are doing is working on behalf of foreign publishers to scour the market. So if I'm Random House Germany and I'm trying to understand what I should buy, now the publishers in the UK will eventually tell me, but I want to know a little bit faster because if, like I say, like everyone's like everyone wants that good book. Of course you do. And if you're an editor in Germany and you're thinking, well, I really want the next best you know, X book, like maybe Ryan Holiday or the next best I don't know, Harry Potter. I want someone on the ground who knows the entire market well, knows what everyone's reading and holding on to so that I get that insider knowledge and can buy a bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So Matt, you have been uh, on the self publishing side of things and you've self-published yourself how easy or difficult is that in comparison and do you recommend that writers go down that route i think it all depends on your goals you know and working with a publisher a traditional publisher that's a great path because they can pour rocket fuel on it if you're one of the chosen ones that they choose to publish You'll be you a know, beautiful cover. You'll have a team behind you. You'll have people in place to help you spread and, and market and, and, and sell your book. Um, so for people who, who hope to get picked by the publishers and who have no appetite to do the kind of work that would be required to self-publish your, your work, then going traditional is, is wonderful. But the thing that's, that self-publishing has opened up is that no longer is that the only path in. And actually it's easier, it's more accessible. It also means it's more saturated to publish something on your own. But you have to have the appetite to know that you're going to be the publisher. And so when I, my foray into self-publishing was actually as a partnership with a friend who he was the writer. He, he is the writer. He was the writer who had no appetite for anything publishing related. He just wanted to write. And he said, Matt, I just want to sit down and write. And I want people to buy my book. I want a publisher to put it out. And so I partnered together. We partnered together and, and I took on the role of publisher. So I did, we did cover design and, and all those things, but there was a lot of work that took a lot of work. Uh, I learned how to format books. I learned how to publish. I learned how to market books. Um, so if you don't have someone there, if you don't have a partner there, it is a lot harder on your own, but it's not the only And then publicity becomes very important, I suppose, if you're doing it on your own. Is that something that you help writers with at the London Writers Salon? Yeah, we do. I mean, we do like offer coaching and stuff, but I think the way and what we're trying to build at the salon is that it's kind of like an encouragement network, a network where we can celebrate each other's work. So we have created little things in place to make it easy for, for writers in the community to share their own work and for writers to celebrate and find each other's work. So we have a weekly newsletter and part of that weekly newsletter, we have a, a weekly roundup where we share everything that everyone's published in that week, whether it's a blog post, or maybe it's a piece for Nat Geo or The Guardian. It doesn't matter. It's kind of all there. And so we celebrate each other's work. Uh, we've definitely interviewed, I can't remember which writer it was, who talked about how your early, a bit like early adopters in the tech industry, you have your early support network who help make a bit of a fuss about your book. So that's what LGBOS is increasingly becoming. Because if you are part of this community and you show up, you're, you, you'll have hundreds of writers who are supporting and cheering your work. And we often invite them to, what we do call a pub day pop-in. So they'll, on the day of their publication, they will read those words of wisdom at the start of writer's hour. And if you come to our London 8am, you have, you know, we've had like 350 writers cheersing their coffee cup and then buying your book afterwards. 
because it's in the links. It's very, very soft selling. And then we will interview writers as well. We've interviewed writers from the community, like we interviewed um, uh, an author called Marty Lineback, who, who had been a New York Times bestselling author. Um, I'd edited some of her work as well. And we interviewed her on the craft of writing because she was she was an expert, but she needed that support as well. So we were sort of her launch party. And I think there are ways going forward that we may try and try and think of how else we can, you know, plug in the publicists that we know to help help writers promote their work. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, an interesting new form of publicity in that you're utilizing the community. And I think that is becoming an increasingly big part of PR because pitching to the traditional media is just getting more and more competitive as you probably know I interview editors on this podcast and they just say they get like 500 pitches a day so you know would you say this new this using your community and growing a community to pitch to is um, a really important way for writers to promote themselves so I've seen this in traditional publishing where where you have writers who are early on in their journey it does depend on what you're writing but they start to to connect with the bloggers in that area so say you're writing young adult fiction you might start connecting with all the the YA bloggers so by the time your book is out there's an appetite for it but the larger our community is and it is increasingly growing 800 writers a day uh, the chances are you're going to find that tribe within our community And I think the the important thing to add too is that if it can't just become and we're very conscious of this, just people pitching each other because then it it doesn't feed off of each other. It's just a place where people are shouting. It's just another form of of the internet out there. But actually, what we're trying to create is that you, yes, do share your work, but let's applaud and celebrate each other. So it, there has to be that that give and take. Otherwise, it, it just feels um, lopsided and doesn't feel authentic. And there's also been, I've just thought there's actually other ways that I realized that people have promoted themselves and that's actually just using each other's skill set. So we have, I'm thinking of like a writer, we have Sophia who wrote her, pitched her first article to, um, is it Mislexia? Mm-hmm. Where did she, yeah, she, she uh, wrote, she wrote the, like the feature piece. the writer. Um, the writer magazine. Oh, the writer. So she had used connections from inside. Someone gave her advice, where can I pitch? Where can I? How, how can I promote myself and people just giving advice? Because we do have journalists who join us as well and people who have different expertise. So when I guess in a very sort of slightly twee way, what if we all helped each yeah. other? What if we pulled together our, our resources? Can, yeah. Feels nice. Now, do you cover in um, in either your workshops or, or in the writer's hour, the language of pitching, either pitching to a publisher or pitching to an agent or um, or pitching to the media? Do you cover that? Yeah, well, yeah, so that's masterclasses. Okay, so what are some of the trends that emerge from that? What do you think writers um, get wrong or what are some of the stumbling blocks in in pitching? I think when it comes to pitching literary agents, so we run a pitcher literary agent masterclass where uh, we, actually Matt and I run this, uh, so we we talk about the structure of, of a pitch letter and then we bring in an agent to give live feedback as on the constructed pitch it's like a time pressure you have to create a pitch in an hour or or edit the one you've got and then you'll get feedback on it um really it's the if there's one area that most people could focus on it's it's the the pitch for the story itself how are you positioning that story and i often uh compare to like if you look at the back cover of a book 
whether it's non-fiction or fiction, look at the way that's described. That's it's sales material. It's, it's marketing. You have to do the same. It's not about saying I am a great writer because they'll figure that out in time when they read your even even from the even from the letter they can get a sense of who you are like what's your voice what's your tone another theme i think whether it's books or articles or any other sort of pitching is it's really trying to make the person you're pitching to their job as easy as possible and i see a lot of people when they're pitching whether it's the book it's it's requiring too much arithmetic or or it's putting too much work on the person receiving the pitch versus uh make it make help them do their job better and if you can create a pitch where they're doing less work, you're giving it to them, you're personalizing, you're telling them why you picked them, why, how this can fit within your, you know, the, the other work that you, you do. Um, that really helps. And I think the overarching theme there is, is just having greater empathy for the people that you're pitching to. And, and I would even say for your readers too. And I think kind of going on a question you asked earlier, Helen, is, is, um, writers sometimes when they get stuck is yes stuff is coming from a deeply personal place it's a story they want to tell but for it to be received by a reader or an agent or whoever you have to put yourself in their shoes and you know it, tell your story but think about them when you're sharing it with them and you're pitching how can you make it easier for them yeah absolutely and and that's what i always advise when pitching to the media it's all about how can we make the journalist's job easier by enabling them to see what how the story might might work rather than letting them figure out what the story is by reading a really really long <laughs> pitch because right. they, they're receiving it's a fire hose of things they're receiving all day long um, and just people don't think about that. They're just thinking about their own work that they want published, mm -hmm. want their work published that same day. And that thought of positioning is interesting, how it's still important in fiction to position your story. It, it, again, it's some things are deal breakers in pitching, and I'm sure you feel the same. Some things are deal breakers, some things are not. But it does help to position even your your piece of fiction. Like, where does that sit on the bookshelf? Who are you comparing yourself? Who are the influences here? This can yeah. help the agent when looking at a query letter at a glance, again, bearing in mind the deluge of letters that come through, help them understand whether or not this is the right submission for them to even start looking at. And um, We're almost out of time, but I want to ask Matt um, briefly, going back to your background that you help creatives leave their city jobs and do something creative. Can you give a few examples of, um, you know, aside from writing, which is the obvious one, what sort of things do you help uh, people do and how did you get into that? Yeah, well, the, how I got into it was it was a, a personal journey I was on too. I was uh, working as a consultant doing a, a job that was challenging but didn't really mean much to me. And so I went on a quest myself of trying to figure out what I wanted my life and my work to be about. And so through that experience, I, I gained a lot of empathy for other people who were going on a similar journey. So, I mean, the, the people that I meet, they tend to fall in a few different categories. It's either they have uh, some sort of creative impulse that they want to realize, whether that's writing or painting, they want to do more creative work. Another one is they have a business idea. They have something they want to start. They either want to be their own boss. They want to create their own idea. They want to launch something. And then a third is kind of a more catch-all category of, I just want to do work that matters to me and matters to the world. So where do you um, start with people? Oh, yeah. Where do you start? Um, I would do like 12 week programs with people that just try to figure out where to start. Yeah. Because sometimes if, especially if you've been in a career or if you've been doing something that is so not in alignment with who you are, or you don't even know who you are. 
anymore, or maybe you never really went on that journey to discover it. So that's a big part of it is just really trying to understand yourself. I'm a huge fan of journaling. Julia Cameron's morning pages that she talks about in The Artist's Way, which is just three pages of stream of conscious writing upon waking. That's done wonders for me just to understand what's sitting in my head. Uh, so I might recommend that, that to someone if they're not sure what their next step is. I, can I, yeah. Matt, can I ask you for one story? Because you've told, I, I've taken your advice and um, you've talked about that analogy of walking through a forest and trying to find your destination. I always thought that made, that helped me reframe hmm. how I think about careers. I th- the biggest sticking point for a lot of people is I know what I don't want to do but I don't know what I want to do next. So it's the big what if question, what's next? And I, it's, uh, it's a lot easier when you know exactly where you're going. I'm at point A and I want to get to point B. Okay, I need to find out how to get there, find people who have done the same and, and get there. But when you're going from point A to B, C, D, E, Q, question mark, you don't know where your destination is. You don't know what you want. Next, it becomes a lot more difficult. And so the the metaphor that Parl was talking about is, you know, if you're lost in the middle of the woods, if I were to throw you in the middle of the woods and you don't know how to get out, you don't know where the exit is, you don't know anything about the terrain, what do you do? Often what people do in their careers is they just sit there waiting for the right answer to come. They, I'm going to sit and not do anything until I know exactly where I'm going. And that keeps people stuck. And so instead, if you're lost in the woods, you just start, you look at there, oh, there's a hill in that direction. Maybe I'll just go there and see if I can get a better look at the landscape. You start acting with your best guess in whatever direction. And by just by moving, just by tiny actions, by stepping, you learn a lot more about what you want, what you don't want, and what might be next for you. So that's what I recommend is, is just acting, baby steps, take your best guess, and know that you will figure it out, but you won't figure it out by just sitting there and thinking about it. Love that. I love that. I actually, I really think that's a, that metaphor is also applicable to writing. I think if you want to write, whether it is you want, you don't even know what you want to write, or you're not sure where that writing will take you, to some degree, it doesn't matter. You're just taking baby steps in the direction of something you love, whether that's journaling, whether it's drafting your nonfiction book or starting to play with some character uh, characters in your head, like figuring out a scene, just write a scene, write a couple of scenes. Eventually that will lead you somewhere and it will probably take you longer and in a different direction than you first thought. But that's the journey that we all go on. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to do that little bit, don't you? Rather than getting overwhelmed by the task, it's, you know, that's what I told myself when I was writing, just do a little bit. Even if you just do 10 minutes, it's still, it's still a step. Yeah. And maybe, you know, adding on, on that just real quick, I mean, with the, the pitching perspective, I mean, if anyone's feeling hesitation around wanting to get their pitch right or wanting to have the perfect pitch before they put it out there, I mean, we just interviewed a writer who she said she got rejected 57 times before her book was picked up. And it was a piece of feedback in one of those final parts that was about changing from third person to first person that made all the difference. And then she rewrote the pitch, rewrote the book in the first person. And then the first person she pitched it to, they picked it up. Wow. Amazing story. Parol Bavishi and Matt Trinetti, thanks so much. Um, And just before we go, where can uh, listeners find out more about the London Writer Salon and your writer's hours? 
Yes. Well, you can go check out LondonWritersSalon.com for everything that we do, events, masterclasses, or go directly to WritersHour.com where you can sign up and join any one of our free writing sessions that we hold throughout the week, which we hold them four times a day, Monday to Friday. So 20 sessions you can join each week. Wow. No excuse then. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.